0: Hello, my name's Elton, and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, the community where we discuss everything that is Fulham. Come and join me and my sons, Jack and Sam, as we discuss, debate, and arm wrestle everything about our wonderful football club. We're now also streaming live on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. We really hope you'll enjoy the next episode. So, without any further delay, over to you, Jack.
1: Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under here for a special Everton preview with a special guest, Russ Goldman from the well-known Fulham podcast Cottage Talk. Thank you so much for joining us, Russ.
2: Guys, thank you so much for having me back on the show. I look forward to uh, talking with you about the season upcoming and obviously the Everton match. It should be fun.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for, for joining us. We've uh, had to tee up three different time zones to get this one sorted, so I'm glad we've managed to get it finally done. Joining us as always, late night for you, Sammy,
3: how are you going? I'm so excited to be here. I I love Russ. I'm so happy he's here. <laughs> I was very, very tired beforehand. Um, uh, Paris is literally behind me working away right now, but I was like, we have to get on. I have to see Russ. We have to do this. And no, it's it's exciting times. And yeah, no, this is great. This is awesome. Thank you for being here, Russ.
2: You're more than welcome, Sammy. I'm looking forward to doing the show with you guys.
1: Sammy, on our live stream, I'm just moving you further away from Russ. In the <laughs> That's, cool. Just That's cool. Put a little bit of distance there. And also joining us, we have, as always, Elton. How are we going? I'm
0: very well, thanks. Welcome, extended family. Uh, welcome to the family, Russ.
1: Well, thank you. <laughs> so, guys, let's crack straight into it. We've got heaps to cover today because we're going to recap all of pre-season, get Russ's insight into the summer series as well, and then try and preview the Everton game and the season as a whole. So straight into it, the Hoffenheim game, Fulham's final warm-up match, uh, 2-1 victory, and goals sort of unexpectedly from our two debutants in Jimenez and Bassi, at least home debutantes. Um, Russ, I, I don't know if you saw the whole game. It was obviously a slightly awkward time for you. I think like middle of the night. Um, but I, I assume you've seen some of the highlights. What were your thoughts on the, the two goals from Fulham's new signings? Well, I
2: actually did not get a chance to watch the match live. I was working at the time, and uh, all I had the ability to see is uh, the highlights. I, I wish Fulham released the entire 90 minutes, but for whatever reason, up until this point, I don't think they have. So, But I did watch the highlights. The, I guess the uh, big talking point here is uh, two signings, two goals that stands out. And I actually was uh, happy to see both of these players score, make an impact, because I think that, especially in the case of Jimenez, if you know his story, I just want this player to succeed. I think he Mm. has a role with Fulham. I don't think it's the role that some might think a potential replacement for Mitro. I think he's just a piece of the puzzle. And I think he, as he shown on the goal, and also what I watched in his movement against Chelsea, I think he fits in right away. I I don't see any lack of uh, understanding of how Marco wants to play. That's what has stood out for me from watching Jimenez play. And Calvin Bassey, I noticed in the Chelsea match, and and again, from these highlights, that this is a player that's very assured and just believes in himself. And uh, I think he's going to be extremely dangerous on set pieces.
1: Yep, agree completely. Sammy, I'll I'll chuck to you. Calvin Bassey already seems like a bit of a cult figure after just what I think he's played about a hundred minutes in total. Is he a chance of replacing Polina as your favorite player?
3: Oh no, I'm not sure about that. Um uh, like my my heart very much still lies with Jao. um he's he's really bombastic though. like Russ, I almost feel bad like you missed a treat. he is he is ridiculous that guy. he's so energetic. Um, it's it's blasphemous to say, or I'm not sure like how Marco's actually gonna do it, but I seriously think Bassi's contention to like kicking Reem out of the squad, and I I, I say that with Tim Reem literally on my back right now, um, like, g- like g- genuinely he's oh, he's so intense, but in like the best possible way, and like you know do you remember like the first game where like Zhao was just going around just beating everybody up. Bassie's kind of like that, but he's almost a little bit more exuberant as well. Like he's oh he he's like a henched three year old just running around like crazy. It's awesome.
1: And Dad, I will throw to you just to I mean, Russ touched on Jimenez slotting in fairly seamlessly straight away. Um great to see him get on the score sheet, but how did you feel he actually like like as Russ said, slotted into this side um when we've been so reliant on Mitro and playing to Mitro's style, it was good to see us actually have a new centre-forward come in and, and sort of seamlessly fit.
0: Yeah, I think the the key sort of takeaways and the, the loud and clear message that seems to be emanating from these two signings is high energy. They're, they're both mm. really busy yeah. and very, very intense. And I, I, I love that. Something... Exciting about uh, a defender that's really, really commanding. Mm-hmm. Um, he, for for a young guy, he seems to be incredibly self-assured. And um, look, he's incredibly exciting. And I, you you know, um, strikers need goals. They need confidence. And for him and as obviously, he's had. a a difficult couple of years and a really difficult last season, notwithstanding the fact that he's obviously played in a side that hasn't done that well. They've got other problems. And so that's very, very difficult for a striker who is always defined by how many goals they put in the back of the net. Let's be honest, no matter what they've done before or how talented they are or whatever people think of them, if they're not scoring goals, It's a really tough, tough one. And for him to score, um, you know, perhaps wasn't the most amazing goal in the world. And yet someone arriving in the box for a cross is exciting to see. And, you know, you can't have enough of that. So it's really, really good to see him score and uh, all the players get around him and surely feel like he's, he's, he's part of the outfit. So... I think everyone, everyone is kind of of the view that he's not necessarily our premier striker, but wouldn't it be great if, he, if, if, if we just can't stop him scoring goals every time he gets near, n- mm. near the ball? Wouldn't that be great?
3: Look, I'm not writing him off at all. Like With the way in which he actually works in the side, and particularly that front three that um, Silva had, really tasty, tasty stuff.
1: Russ, I'll ask you this question. Um, sure. Obviously, we saw a lot of Vinicius last year, and he sort of worked his way into the side, and actually, you know, challenged Mitro's position after he came back from the suspension. Do you think the signing of Jimenez is a step up from Vinicius, or do you think it's it's just another another kind of option for Silver to have off the bench?
2: I think it's a step up if you're asking me, because we were basically just in a very difficult spot with the metro suspension. And I thought Carlos did a very nice job, especially near the end of the time where he was starting, but it took a bit. I think you see the difference between Jimenez and Vinicius. So for me, it, it, the type of player that I would hope that they would have had last season, they now have nothing against Vinicius, but I'm not saying that he should go, but I think with the arrival of Jimenez, he becomes expendable. And that's not a bad thing. Would he still stay? Potentially. But I think Jimenez has now made Carlos Vinicius expendable. And um, that is kind of a good thing because you want to upgrade. And we're seeing this. I'm glad Elton mentioned this. You want players that are finding their way into the team with, again, some kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, just just a real – Go get go get an attitude, and they they both have that. They have that, and for me, nothing against Vinicius. I just think this is a better player, and if he was to go someplace else, move on. There's been some speculation with him. I wouldn't be surprised, but I wouldn't mind him staying at Fulham too. I just think that Jimenez is better.
1: I think healthy competition for positions is great as well. Like we've we've now got three strikers who are all going to be competing with each other, pushing each other on the training field. I'm hopeful that it actually leads to improvements in the rest of our squad and squad depth as well. Mm. Um, you know, Vinicius would be sitting there going, I, I did score a handful of goals last season in the Premier League. Jimenez didn't score any goals last season. And they'll be fighting for for that sort of backup position and at the moment for, for that starting position as well. So I, I think it's, it's good that we're starting to see some proper depth and starting to see... Premier League depth in some of these positions where during the summer series at least we saw when we played Aston Villa we did mention it they brought their entire bench on and there's you know Champions League level players coming off the bench for Villa and we're bringing on under 18s Um, there's a a big disparity in squad depth between us and some of the teams that we should be competing against in the Premier League and so I think bringing in players like Humanez like Bassi help improve that squad depth, and it's only going to be a good thing for the team in in the long run. Um, go on, Sammy.
3: Uh, just just on the point as well, with because I was thinking about this earlier today, and how um, like obviously we're looking at Hudson at Doy and um, Fred, and all the all those guys that are potentially going to be added into the squad if like everything goes swimmingly. All it takes is two injuries, and then Vinicius gets game time. Um, then. Like there is there's more rotation, but without those players and without like um having the forward thinking for that, we're really screwed. Cause yeah, we're then we're just relying on 19, 18 year olds.
1: And rotation's healthy through the season as well. All the best teams totally. manage to rotate their squad regularly and have quality players in each position. Um mm. so yeah, look, I, I think it's it's a positive. Um Russ, before we preview the the Everton game and get into it, I'll just ask for you to just recap the experience of the summer series. We talked about it on our last pod where we reminisced about the time Fulham came out in 2009 to Australia and how great that was as Fulham fans seeing the team in your home country. Um, I don't know if this is the first time Fulham have come out to the US ever. I think they've been out on maybe a couple of times previously, but at least in the last 15, 20 years it definitely be the first time they've come out. How was the experience as a fan over in the U.S. to have those three games to be able to watch Fulham? It was uh, truly amazing, and uh, they
2: were over here for just one match that I went to in Jacksonville. I think it was about eight or nine years ago, but that was just one match, and uh, it was a friendly, and that was okay. This is a series, and what was different about this was that it's something that was being sponsored from the Premier League and NBC Sports as a Premier League Summer Series. And you have Fulham playing against Premier League sides. And I think that actually helps getting Fulham ready for the season. But the overall experience, as I mentioned to you guys off air, to uh, meet so many Fulham supporters. I did an episode of Fulhamish Live with uh, George, Sammy, and my co-host Max. It was unbelievable. We had about anywhere between 80 to 100 Fulham supporters in this little place watching us record live. It was amazing. And what was great about the entire experience was you would hear the similar stories. It's so nice to meet you to another foam supporter. I can talk to someone now who follows foam because in their towns, in their cities, really they don't get the opportunity on a day-to-day basis to talk to someone about foam. So to put everyone in the same room, to put everyone in the same venue in a stadium was just Tremendous for all of the film supporters over here. It really was, and it was great for me. You know, personally, I got to meet so many film supporters, and uh, I just loved every minute of it. It's something that I'll always cherish, guys.
1: I hope you were treated like royalty as well.
2: I, I'm going to say absolutely. I was, and and I I don't feel like I deserved it. To be honest with you. People coming. Oh, up you to deserve me.
3: it, Russ. You deserve it, Russ. Well, thank like you. Boss in <laughs> it. Boss in it.
2: <laughs> it was very nice. It was very nice that people wanted to take pictures with me. It was very nice. People wanted to shake my hand. It, it was great. And uh, the fact that I could share it with my son was uh, even more special. He does not follow the sport, but wanted to be with me. And he loved every minute of it. He just had this look on his face like of amazement watching everyone come up to us. And he had to learn to say the same phrase. I said, Brady, just tell everyone, you're not a foam supporter. You just don't follow the sport. Just tell them that because everyone's going to ask you. Every person, it must have happened at least 30 times. And he was like a, a politician. He said the same thing over and over again. I'm just not a fan of the sport. I'm just not a fan of the sport. But he was but he here for the free manner. beer. He well, he well, he's only 15. So unfortunately, he couldn't get that.
3: Father, but, please <laughs> Should have but, just
1: say the same line, Metro's on fire over and over again, <laughs> right,
2: right? But to be honest with you guys, it was really incredible. And uh, the one thing that I do want to share a little funny story at the match in Philadelphia because, um, I'm sure we're going to talk about this player. It was very hard to watch it right in front of you, Ja Polina get injured. That was difficult. Mm-hmm. I watched it happen. My son thought that he got kicked somewhere you know, we'll say in a special place. He thought that's the reason why he was down, but it was actually obviously his arm. And uh, when we saw him come off, it was, it was very worrying, but I was, you know, happy to hear the reports that he was recovering and hopefully he'll be back sooner than later. I don't think he'll be ready for the Everton match. In fact, I doubt it, but I don't think it's going to be as long as some might think it's going to be. And because I feel that, Jao is makes Fulham tick. Without him, it's mm. going to be a little bit difficult, but I am glad in a way, now keep this in mind, that Polina was playing center back, which is crazy in this match, but it allowed Lukic to play his role, not the same way. So I think getting him up to speed playing that role, I think is important, and I think it's going to pay dividends in the uh, first couple matches of the season with Sasa Lukic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I thought Lukic was really impressive. And um, uh, you don't want to say injuries open up new doors and and are good things. But in this case, I think the fact that Lukic probably got way more time on the field than he was expecting to at the start of this summer series Mm. uh, is actually going to play into our favour because he's likely to start against Everton, I would have thought. Um, Let's actually have a look at the potential lineup. So I'll just run through the starting times for this game. It's kicking off Saturday, 3 p.m. in the UK. That's a 10 p.m. kickoff on the west coast of Australia, a midnight kickoff for those on the east coast. And in the US, we have a 7 a.m. kickoff for Pacific time and an 8 a.m. for the east coast. Sorry, not 8 a.m., 10 a.m. for the east coast. Let's take a look at a possible lineup. Um, Dad, I'll throw to you first, um, just for your thoughts on this lineup. For those listening along uh, I'll just read it out Leno in goal a back four of Tete Diop Bassi and Robinson Lukic and Reed and the defensive midfield Wilson Pereira and Willian as the three behind Jimenez as a striker this is similar to what we saw for the Hoffenheim game and towards the end of the summer series as well are you expecting any changes to this lineup or do you think this is pretty close to what we're going to see
0: well I think we are all <clears throat> working on the premise that the the final Hoffenheim starting eleven was probably going to be the starting eleven for this week, but it, it may not it may not be the case. What we didn't see, of course, um, in front of the cameras was um, an, another game against Hoffenheim the day before, where I, I believe there was a different starting lineup. For example, Metro did play sixty minutes, I believe. Um, do we know if Tim Ream played in that game or not? Tim Ream um,
3: came in- on for um, uh, the Hoffenheim game. Yeah, he, he did. He came on did, at the did...
1: end of this game. I don't know the lineup for the behind yeah. closed doors game against Hoffenheim the day before, but I, I'd assume he probably got a few minutes in that game as well. But realistically, I don't think he's fully 100% yet. You could see he had that new cast on his arm and I, I'm just not sure if he's ready no, to jump straight I, into I think the lineup right. again.
0: I think you're right. And and I I you know, I then they're, they're not gonna blow they're not gonna blow um a potential first month of uh Polinia and risk him and bring him on having not actually played in the last couple of weeks. I can't I can't imagine it. However fit or ready he might be, I cannot imagine he will start. Mm. Um so, well, I guess the biggest question then, um is whether whether they start with Mitro or Jimenez, I guess, out of out of your uh, lineup that you've put forward there. And yeah, I I, I hope he does get an opportunity to start. Um, not not that I'm I'm being salty and sour about Mitrovic. I, I just would like him to get an opportunity because I. I think there could be nothing better than really red hot competition between you two potential um, guys fighting out for that strike, strike position.
3: I, I appreciate your um, political stance on this, Dad, but I am very much on the petty side of I. I'm I'm angry at Mitrovic, and I I'm I I like I like Jimenez in the side at the moment. I like what he's really adding to. Uh, like our attacking prowess for lack of a better word i i like the way that we play when we have him like again really high pressing really energetic um he's like his hold up plays really really strong and he can he's confident can move it around and i i want to give him the opportunities because i feel that that's all he really needs in this side to really really excel then a couple of games in then we for me at least we can have a conversation of like Mitrovic or Jimenez, but I think he's going to give him a real run for his money. Uh,
0: to be fair, I, I don't think we really played to his strengths in the first half against Hoffenheim at all. No, we didn't. I thought, I thought he his his movement was good and his anticipation was good and he was trying very, very hard. And you can see, you know, compared to Vinicius, without jumping on Vinicius's back here, you you can see that he's another level, and oh, yeah. he is. Um, you know, he's he's proven in the Premier League and that's not just, you know, a form statement, well, or not a form statement, it's a quality statement, but you can tell. Um, and he's obviously, is working with a completely new team. He's only been here a couple of weeks. He's had a couple yeah. of runouts and it's difficult to expect too much of him. But no, I'm not being petty about this at all. I, I actually want points and I, I actually want, us to have the very, very best start because this is going to be a tough month. Make no mistake yeah. about it. This is not an easy start to the season, and we we need we need to get some points, which won't be easier away. Um, you know, at Goodison Park to begin with, it won't be easy.
3: I am I am being I am being silly here, but I genuinely think I really like the way that we play with Jimenez up the top. Is is my closing full stop on the point.
1: Well, Russ, I'll ask you for your, I guess, overarching opinion on Mitro. Are you in the camp of we should be playing our best players at all times to win matches? Or is there a bit of resentment there over how everything sort of unfolded over the last month or so?
2: Well, I've been pretty much on this and I've not changed my mind on this. Mitro should play if he's ready to play. If Marco feels that he should start, then he should be your starting forward. If he's not ready, if he's not up to match fitness, he. I know he played twice against Hoffenheim, 60 in one match and 30 in another. One was a behind-closed-doors match. If Marco feels that he gives him the best chance to win, meaning that he's back to fitness, then he should start. If not, I have no issue with him starting Jimenez. I absolutely I feel that he can do a job. As Elton said, he's a upgrade over Carlos Vinicius that's not a slight on Vinicius that's just fact he's just a better player he has all this established experience in the Premier League and it's a player that has something I think to prove I think he and I think that's what's great about a lot of these players that Fulham bring in is that you have Pereira you have Jimenez even William something to prove and now you put him in a Fulham lineup and they're out to prove something not just to play well for Fulham but something to prove personally i think if you start jimenez i'm going to tell you right now i believe he will score in the next match he plays for full i think he's that motivated but to elton's point they have to play to his strengths if they're not going to do that then you're wasting having him out there if they mm. start metro i'm fine with that if they don't i'm fine with it as well it's marco's call if he's ready to go honestly if he's ready to go i think he'll go with metro if not you have someone ready-made for the Premier League to start the season in Jimenez. I think it's a good situation to have right now for fall. Uh,
0: look, yeah. I, you know, you, you focused on match fitness. And I'm, I'm sure it's more than that. And I, I would rate Marco Silva, just as you say, I would rate him to look at the overall package of where Metro's head is, where his body is. And if, if he's not ready and right and his mind's not in the right place, I'm sure... I'm sure Silva will not start him.
1: Yeah, look, I, I, I think the only thing that will be keeping Mitro from being in the starting eleven is fitness. I think Marco's had the chat to them. Uh, we saw when he came on, he wasn't moping around. If anything, he was being too nice and passing the ball off when he should have been taking shots. Um, I don't think that's his head being in the wrong place. If anything, I think that's him sort of trying to curry a bit of favour with the players around him. Well, but I'd argue I think, that is his head in the wrong place, actually,
0: because you want your yeah. you want your striker to be absolutely brutally focused on putting
1: the ball but in the back of the net. That's a simple no chat from the it. manager. That's a simple yeah, yeah, chat sure. from the manager beforehand to just go. Yeah. I know what you were doing. Thank you, but also just score goals. Don't worry about anyone but, else. But, do what you
3: do. I- I do okay. think Dad's right, though, because I do think like key strikers when they're really on their game, when they're really in it, they like if you look at like Ronaldo or like Lukaku's, and when they're really, really like at their top, they are just screaming for the ball at any given time, and they're really, really abrasive and aggressive about it. And yeah, um, a meek striker. Mm, no, I'm not sure. I'm, no, right. you're not
1: going to see. You're not going to see a meek Mitro at all. I'm just saying. I think. If, if they're both fully fit and Mitro starts, uh, I think Jimenez will add some really healthy competition this season, but I don't think he's going to be keeping Mitro out of the side unless he goes on crazy scoring streaks. And we saw that Marco will keep Mitro out of the side if, if when Vinicius was having a really good run. Mitro didn't get straight back into the team, and I think that was a good decision. Um, but I, I, I just can't see Mitro not being our number one striker if he stays at the club and is fully fit. Um but yeah, look, I, I think we will realistically see Jimenez start on the weekend, just because I think he's had more of a preseason than Mitro. We know Mitro was basically jogging laps two weeks ago and not doing much more than that. And I think we're trying to rush him back to get him fit as soon as possible for that second and third game of the season. But I just don't think he's going to be quite ready for this game. Um, Another talking point, I guess is Calvin Bassey, the other new signing, um, Russ, I'll throw to you. Are we expecting Bassi to definitely start, or do you think we might? Uh, it doesn't seem like we're going to see Tosin anytime soon, but no. do you think Tim Ream is going to be pushing for that spot, or we'll keep him on the bench and keep him fresh? I think that
2: Bassi will start. And uh, what's going to make this an easier call for Marco is trying to get Tim Ream up to uh, full fitness. I think he is still working himself back. He gave him basically some minutes against Hoffenheim and I just don't think he's ready yet. I saw him in Philadelphia, you know, just basically just walking around and he's, I don't think he's hundred percent yet. So I mm-hmm. think that kind of makes the decision a little bit easier on Marco. It's going to be hard. And uh, if you saw an interview with NBC sports with uh, Tim Ream, you know, he knows that is being brought in to basically be his replacement. He knows it. And he sees that as a challenge. I'm paraphrasing, but I think, and I agree with you guys, and we've already talked about this. I love Tim Ream. Tim Ream is someone that I I will be a full legend. He absolutely will. But the thing is, you have to go with the best player that gives you the best chance to win. And Mm -hmm. based on what I've watched already, it's Calvin Bassey. He's an upgrade. Not just being younger, I just think that overall, he's going to offer you a little bit more. As someone said to me, that uh, if you watched him, and I did not watch the Hoffenheim match, it was told to me that he was going forward a lot more than Tim Ream does. Tim Ream stops oh, yeah. halfway.
3: Yeah.
2: Bassey's yeah. going a lot farther, and that will make things a little bit harder on someone like Anthony Robinson, but he'll have to cover him when he goes on these runs. But again, this is an aggressive center back. And this, to me, along with Diop, I think this is going to be a pairing. Nothing against Tim Ream, but I think this will be your two center backs throughout the season. Tim Ream will be knocking on the door. Someone gets injured. I think Tim Ream will come in. But I think the, the vision was to have it being Bassi and Diop.
0: One, yeah. one interesting thing about that, I, I, I think we all agree with you. I think, um, particularly in the Hoffenheim game, dare I say that Bassi kind of showed Diop up and mm, definitely he, oh yeah he, he, he kind of kind of gave you the impression that yeah we've got an upgrade at, on the left side um but does he have a partner to, to take i it forgot, all I, forgot Dia, I forgot
3: dear i forgot dear existed at least twice <laughs> <laughs> like, he, yeah Bassi was just everywhere
0: i mean Dear wasn't having a bad game but if you just compare nah. the dynamism of bassy he looked next level Anyway,
3: I agree.
1: He 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 looks a seriously great player, and I'm I'm glad we picked him up. And I think we all agree that he's most likely to start. And yeah, I think Diop and Bassi is probably our centre back partnership for the season. It seems. Um, and yeah, I think Diop's actually now got some work to do because I'd say Tim Ream is probably pushing Diop's spot more than he's pushing Bassie's at the moment. Um, let's take a quick look at a potential Everton lineup. Now it's tough to know exactly how they're going to line up. There's a few injury clouds over players. Uh, Tarkowski in uh, centre-back is potentially fully fit, but he's only recently returned to training. And uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin as well, who is basically going to be the key to Everton's survival at this rate, is only just slowly returning to full fitness. He says he's fit. The manager says he's not fit. It's interesting to see how that one's going to actually pan out Um I'll uh, read through potential lineup here, Pickford in goal, Patterson, Keane, Tarkowski and Young as a back four, Onana and DeCore and Gay in the middle, McNeil and Iwobi out wide, and Dan Juma, a new signing from Villarreal starting up front. A um, couple of new signings there for Everton. Russ, do you follow the the Everton team news that closely? Do you know much about this t- this side? Well I actually listened to a podcast
2: about Everton this morning in preparation for this show. So w- interesting little tidbits I got from this That's why podcast. why you paid the big bucks, Russ. <laughs> well, what I was told is that Dwight McNeil is unlikely to play. That I can okay. just share with you guys. Tarkowski is uh, a situation that they're not sure about. He is a doubt, along with Calvert-Lewin, and what this show was basically talking about, as you guys already mentioned. Calvert-Lewin is basically going to decide their season. When he plays, mm-hmm. they are a different side. When he doesn't play, they're a com- a completely di- They play, they're play; just not the same team. So he is the key to everything that they do. So that's what I got out of it. But it'll be interesting to see about the situation with Tarkowski. And I don't think McNeil is going to play. And then will Calvert-Lewin start? If he doesn't start, guys, Fulham should be licking their chops to get all three points.
1: Well, we did see Everton last season. They had a very good game. I think it was against Brighton when they were fighting for survival. And I think they popped four or five past Brighton very, very quickly. And, look, I mean, they, they have the potential there. You look at some of these players. Iwobi, yep. we were linked with early early in the transfer window. Nothing seemed to come from that. Keenan Tarkowski, really well-established Premier League defenders. Pickford in goal as well. You know, international goalkeeper, serious pedigree. The new signings of Ashley Young and Dan Juba coming in. Um, Ashley Young's an interesting one where, you know, this Everton team are lacking any real leadership and they're bringing in a 38-year-old Ashley Young. He's obviously not the same player he was in the past, but he's going to add that bit of experience to that side and hopefully bring them together a little bit more. Um, But like you said, I, I think the big... Um, focus point here, at least, will be Dan Juma up front if yep. Calvert-Lewin isn't starting because he's a bit of an unknown entity at this stage. We don't really know how well he'll settle to Premier League life. We know sometimes strikers come in, really struggle to score goals. Sometimes they come in like a fish to water and are scoring goals right from the off. We'll obviously be hoping for the first scenario, but uh, Calvert-Lewin being out is definitely a big advantage. Dad, um, I don't know how well you remember... The game against Everton last season, um, where I can't remember it was a one-all or a nil-nil draw we had with them, where we probably should have scored a few extra goals and maybe got a little bit unlucky. Are we expecting a tough game against Everton?
0: Oh, look, I think um, I think it's always difficult away in, in the northwest of, of England. Um I my my concern is that and I, I don't know whether this is founded or not, but my concern is that we're a bit undercooked and we we know how we go at Fulham. We will probably end up, um, you know, the week following the closing of the transfer window, congratulating ourselves on the business we've done, but that does not make it easy for Marco Silva in those opening weeks, and, and this is a broken record because it happens year in, year out. And so I'm always pretty nervous <clears throat> about the starts we get, almost, almost irrespective of who we're playing, to be honest with you. Um, if it was at home, I'd kind of feel a little bit more comfortable. If we have to travel a few yeah. hours up north, mm, you know, that's not a very technical answer and response, but that's just my gut feeling about how it goes.
1: Well, I can't remember what the exact stat was, but um, our our record at Goodison Park was atrocious mm, up until mm. last season. We obviously beat them three one up there um, with Harrison Reed, Harry Wilson, and your favourite player Dan James yes. um, playing yes. up front yeah. as well. <laughs> um, remember, yes. Who? Yeah, exactly. But yeah. look, it's 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 always tough on the road. First day in the season. Um, it, it's going to be an interesting one to see if we're going to be able to pull a result out of this. Um, let's actually make a couple of predictions here and the, here's some I prepared earlier, uh, but we'll ask Russ for his as well. Um, Sammy, do you sticking with your three nil now that we're a week later? I did ask for these about a week ago.
3: Yeah. I mean, I still think Everton are a bit shit. Um, uh, like I know McNeil, who I actually really, really liked when um, we played against him last time. I know he's injured. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know where their ma- main attacking threat is gonna come from. slash like uh, I mean last last time we played them, they look so poor, like really, really, really poor. And I feel like they've lost more players than gained um, in the most recent transfer window. So I don't really know where they're at. My, I feel like it's kind of our game to lose. Like if we lose this game, it's because we haven't properly prepared enough um, because I, 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 I mean, Everton's been knocking on the door of relegation for like the past four seasons. Now haven't been impressive in the premier league for a really, really long time. So we should, we should have a convincing win. Now, Obviously, now that I've said this, we're going to get spanked. But such is life, you know.
1: Daddy is sticking with your two-one prediction there.
0: If if my memory serves me correct, we actually made this prediction before last weekend, didn't we? Is that We correct? made
1: it um, um, last about a week ago, so it's before the Hoffenheim game.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and so so my point is that I think. Bassi's showing last week actually gives me even more confidence mm. that um we we should be fine defensively obviously obviously he you know he barely knows these guys but he's slotted in very very well and there aren't many changes at the back and the rest of the guys know each other very 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 well and they're all great players so it it's it's difficult to um I I think what made us really fantastic from a defensive perspective for most of last year was frankly Polinia screening those back four. And without Polinia, um it's it's always of some concern. Sasa Lukic's preference is surely not um that super defensive um you know, um, midfielder role—that's not what I, what I believe he he prefers. So, I don't know. Uh, I feel like I feel like we've got one loose one in us there. So I'm 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 sticking with my two one.
2: At uh, two and one, Fulham. Russ, your your prediction for the game? Well, you guys are all making compelling arguments, and what's interesting <laughs> about this when I'm looking at it. And uh, you guys know I'm a pretty positive person. I can't go as positive as uh, Sam on this with 3-0, but I can join you, Jack, at 2-0. I'm going to join you there because I think that there are more questions with Everton than there are with Fulham right now. And uh, I've all been about embracing the chaos. I don't know if you listen to Cottage Talk, but I think all the noise surrounding Fulham will bring this team together. Elton's point is a very valid one with Sasa Lukic probably playing Paulina's role, and he doesn't play really that role. He's going to be playing it differently. So will he be able to protect the back four? I don't know. i got to tell you, when I was watching in Philadelphia, he made me very nervous in some passes. I'm not going to lie to you. Mm -hmm. But I still feel strongly that Fulham have a lot to offer against Everton, and I think Everton are in a tough spot. I don't think they've – they might have improved a little bit, but they are really dependent upon one player being there. And I'm not sure, even if he starts, will he be 100%? And that's Calvert-Lewin. I think mm-hmm. Fulham have more than enough. And I'll also throw this in that I also think is a factor. And I don't think we talk enough about this. When a manager of, of a former team comes back to play them, they want to win a little bit more, okay? They, mm-hmm. they have a little extra incentive. Don't you think Marco wants to stick it to Everton? He did last time. And I think that, it will actually sharpen him a little bit to get ready for this match playing against his former side. So I'm going with Jack on 2-0. Yeah,
1: look, I I went with 2-0. I'm I'm pretty comfortable with that still. I I feel like before, when we made these predictions a week ago, I I thought it was mainly down to Everton not having enough attacking impetus and attacking talent at the moment to actually score a goal past us. Now I'm looking at it and going with Bassi there and the back four clicking perfectly from the very off. I feel like defensively we should be very tight. It's just about if we can score goals, having seen Jimenez get off the mark so early, knowing that we're likely to hopefully see Pereira back, Willian and Wilson looking like they've got a few games under their belt now and, and feeling fairly confident. I, I think we should be hoping for a fairly comfortable victory. Um, And, yeah, hopefully kicking the season off in the perfect possible way. But, you know, like you said, Sammy, um, we make these predictions and then they will fall to pieces very soon afterwards. So we can only cross our fingers and hope for the best. A couple of other things to touch on. I'll just throw out uh, another little spiel for our fantasy league. Uh, Those people who partake in FPL Please do get involved. We've got about, I think, close to 40 now in the league, which is great. Um, The code is HHA8ME. I think that's currently pinned as our top tweet on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it now. Um, So please do get involved. We're going to be offering up a couple of prizes through the year. Um, So hopefully it should be a good bit of fun, bit of banter through the season. And, um, yeah, do get involved and and join in the league. Uh, Let's have a look at some of the transfer rumours going into the last couple of weeks of the transfer window. Well, a bit more than a couple of weeks, but as we get towards the start of the season, at least, it becomes a little bit more pressing. Now, I've picked out four here, and we'll go through them one at a time. Um, hudson Adoy, Fred, Damari Gray, and Castagna as the four signings. Um, Let's talk... Fred first and I'll throw it to you Russ just on your opinions on Fred we know it's developed a little bit in the last couple of days and it looks like it's getting closer and closer now um how do you feel this signing would help Fulham going forward into the season
2: I think it's if they get Fred I think this changes Fulham I think it makes them even more dynamic now nothing against Harrison Reed but it allows Marco to change things up a little bit And I think uh, if you think about a three of Fred Pereira and Paulina, I think that's extremely dynamic and I would love to see it. I think it gives Fulham just a more creative central midfielder than someone like Harrison Reed. I I love Harrison Reed, but I think Fred would be more creative for Fulham. I I think it would be a a good fit. The only issue I have with Fred is his age, but you know what? If they bring him in, he would be a good player to have for a few seasons, but I think that they also would need to find a young creative central midfielder to get ready for the future. He Fred would not be one for the, for the, uh, for the future. He'd be one for the now, but if you're talking about for right now, he would make Fulham better right
1: now. Yeah. Dad, we saw, I mean, his um, performance against us at the end of last season was, was pretty impressive and we've been sort of hoping this one gets over the line for a while, just to add a bit more depth to that midfield of, you know, Kenny, Pereira, Lukic, Reed, and Pelinha. Adding Fred in there surely has to make a big difference.
0: Well, I think it's not only depth. I think it's about style. And I've said this before. It's about that kind of, you know, it's that Brazilian quality, that invention, that creativity, um you know up and down the park that I think is is really an exciting possibility I suppose I, I I really hope that we we actually do this and I appreciate he's not he's not a young man um that's rich coming from me but um uh, <laughs> y- 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 to he's me it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah it' does, well, it doesn't matter
3: 25.
0: <clears throat> look it's, it's like we're a startup and we're bringing in some senior people who don't have to be around for a long time, but it's a building block and it, it takes us to the next level and it allows us to actually, um, you know, play at yeah, another level. I, I, it's a bit of a weird one and, I, and I'm not sure if I, – I don't even know how close we are sort of pounds-wise on this anymore. Um, but I, I just hope that Fred is one of those players that Marco puts his foot down on and insists on and says, I want him, which hopefully makes the difference between some nickel and diming and, and, and you know, the checkbook comes out and just splashes two or three million more than perhaps we wanted to on paper, but buys us the guy that I think can make a huge difference.
1: Yeah, it sounds like we are pretty close. Sammy, I'll throw to you on a comment here from Steve Reynolds following on the live stream. Uh, choice between Fred and Ward Prowse. It's Ward Prowse every time. 14 goals and six assists against six goals from Fred. Tight fisted Uh I, mm-hmm. I have heard that um, well, West Ham have made a bid for Ward Prowse at 30 million. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if it's 30 million for Ward Prowse or 10 million for Fred,
3: which way are you leaning, Sam? Oh, I hate transfers. I, 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 like, ugh, it's, I, I get, to be honest, I guess I'd probably go Fred. Um, uh, I feel that, uh, he has the ability in the kind of same way that Williams done in the past season to, um, really establish what it is to be a top level player within, like, the club. I mean, I think Williams's been amazing for Harry Wilson just by leading by example. And I think that Fred can do um, the exact same thing because I do think he is excellent, and he's been playing at Man U for a really long time. I just hate talking like transfers because like I, I just feel like Greg and succession. I just feel like I know nothing, and everything's <laughs> happening around me, and I can't do anything about it. And it's just it's just endless, and I'm just like I just want all these to be done. And I feel that uh, Tom is throwing water bottles at me, and there's nothing I can do. And it's, uh, uh, I. Uh, it's just like just buy players, just finish it up. Everyone's just in a pissing contest, and I just want Hudson Adoy.
1: <laughs> well, let's uh, that's very some niche niche ones there, Sam. <laughs> um, but, uh, move well. Let's move on to Hudson Adoy and Gray, and I'll group them together because it's two wingers that we're looking at. Um And Dad, I'll, I'll throw to you. I mean, if you had to pick one of them, it, it's it's hard to say. I mean, Hudson Adoy is probably the more um, there's more upside to someone like Hudson-Odoi. But are you hoping that we bring in both of these players before the window closes?
0: I am, and that was going to be my question to you as to whether we're actually, you know, targeting both but we'll settle for one or whether we'll actually go with both. I mean, I, I would have thought we have to buy both yeah. um, in order to provide us with next-level quality on both sides. And I appreciate that these guys – have some more utility than the average wingers because I think they both play on both sides, right? Mm, um, yeah, yeah. Which is even more exciting. So I'm hoping that we we buy both.
1: Just being greedy. Yeah. No, I, I 100% agree. And, Russ, I'll, I'll throw to you on this one. There's been a bit of speculation about the Damari Gray deal being held up because we are playing Everton this weekend and Everton not wanting to basically give us a player that could come back to bite them in the ass a little bit do you think there's um any truth to that there could be like i said i listened to this podcast and they
2: basically have written off damari gray as uh potentially coming to fulham it could be someone else they were mentioning that there are other clubs interested in gray could there could that be going on potentially but uh what i've been reading about everton is that they need the money from a a gray fee to help them find other players. So I think it would be in their best interest to sell gray as soon as possible, but I wouldn't be shocked that that's part of this, that it could be happening. They were predicting on this other podcast. I was listening to that. It would happen on Sunday, basically yeah. after the full match. And that could be true because he is not part of their plans at all. And they are dumbfounded that Deitch is not even remotely having him Uh, play with them because he's a player that could offer something to Everton, but that has made up his mind with DeMarie Gray. He's not playing for that. So it's an opportunity, but going back to talking about what Elton said, Fulham need both of these players. They need two wingers. And what frustrates me with all of these situations is um, I think part of what bothers me, I do have a lot of respect for, what the cons have done, but I do have a criticism that I think sometimes they are very interested in winning the deal and they are Mm. going to go back and forth until they get the deal that they want. And I think sometimes you should just go get the player. You should spend the extra couple million instead of haggling back and forth. I think that's what's going on in all of these cases. And that's frustrating because I'm sure that's part of why Marco's frustrated. I think we will come out of, after the window closed and basically say they did a great job, but we'll also say, why did it take so long? I I, a hundred
1: percent agree. Yeah. Sammy go.
3: uh, I was just going to say, I think Russ is 100% right. And I really, really hate that football has just become this kind of very politically driven because every like Everton don't need Demari Gray and uh, it's the it's it's all just like a dance, and it's so infuriating because we we probably are gonna get um Fred Gray and Hudson Adoy, but we have to go through this like wishwash, um and it's almost kind of it's like, it's like a Swiss meeting. It's like you just have to kind of do it now. No, no it's not. It's business. Yeah, I know it's, it's business. business. I know it's business, but it's just it's it's annoying. It's, it's just just get it done. <laughs>
0: well it it what bothers me more than business cuz cuz really smart business is actually equipping your manager and your team with the best resources at the earliest possible moment because the, the season begins on saturday but before right. but for i um, uh, maybe it's unfair to say tony who knows maybe it's not tony maybe it's alistair that holds things up maybe he's a stingy one i don't know but you know for them it seems that the season begins the day after the transfer window closes because up to then they're still doing business and trying to do the best business they can Mm. whereas actually i always have the feeling well you've lost a month yeah and that's not smart smart business
3: yeah is is it the best business if you're being conservative and looking for the perfect deal when the perfect deal never truly exists
1: yeah but at, at the same time you know if you, if we're talking, it's just business and doing good business. Then Everton shouldn't be selling Damari Gray to a team they're about to play on the weekend. Sounds so personal.
0: It, yeah, yeah no, no, totally. It, it
3: totally. Yeah, but it sounds. So, I mean, it, it sounds
0: personal. That Demari Gray sounds personal. Sean Dyche has obviously made up his mind. It's just, it's not that he's a shit player. He hmm. just doesn't see him in his system uh, at all, and that could be, it could be a personality thing. I don't know.
3: Well, I think I think as well, like because it's so clear to basically anybody. Um, I mean, because like we we as experts as much as we try to be, but for anyone um, in like the Premier League or the agents, you can so clearly see what Marco Silver is doing. And so then all that does is it does put a lot of bargaining chips in Everton's favor because they go, well, we know exactly what you're trying to achieve here, so we can hold this up because we know that you're going to keep on. Coming for like Damari Gray and same with Chelsea, it's so clearly obvious, and then as a result, that actually takes power away from us because they can see what we're trying to do.
1: It's all confusing. It's all business. It's yeah. It's, it never makes sense, and it unfortunately, as as Fulham fans, we have to kind of just accept that our current lot is that we like to do a particular type of business, which is trying to get the best possible deal that takes longer. Um, and potentially we sometimes miss out on players because of it. But at the same time, we pick up players like Leno for cheap. We pick up players like Tete for two million. We, you know, we do spend money. It's not like we're not spending money. Mm, and We yeah. look back and Pelinia was one of the first players we signed in the last transfer window. So it's not like we're, dumb about the way we do business it's just there are certain aspects to it that are frustrating as a fan and they'd be frustrating as a manager and frustrating as a commercial team at fulham as well but it it, it kind of works so you can't really get too annoyed but it at seemed, it because
0: it seems though jack that we, we can be successful with this sort of approach for people who are flying completely under the radar probably not in the premier league and maybe yeah. playing in other European leagues, or when somewhere in some dark corner in Brazil or Argentina or Colombia, where no one's everyone's watching everywhere. I heard I was listening. You to are, you are about, right, though,
3: Dad. Yeah.
0: No, no, I was listening to something about. Um, I think it was Brentford's technical director quoting that they have eighty-five thousand players in their database. That's mental.
1: Yeah. It's just football manager. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> and, you know But seriously, this is this is for real And they're trimmed down to 5,000 that they're working on at any one time But, you know, Polinia, As well as he was doing Because he's not an unknown player He was in and out of, you know, the, the national team He Until Marco Silva brought him to the Premier League He wasn't A guy that people were talking about And potentially trying to recruit and bring across to England. And so you can take that approach if you're the only one fishing in the pool, but if you're yeah. actually competing against good players um, that people, other people want, it's not really a great tactic. You can't win. You're always going to yeah. be coming in second and kind of s- swooping in at the last minute and, you know, need a, dare I say, bottom feeding.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, like I said, it, it works. So I don't know how how much we can really. I mean, we can, can be annoyed or, by or it, dollars. But... Dollars wise, it
0: works. But whether that's the full commercial package, I'm not sure.
1: Sure, sure. Um, but but at the end of the day, we finished in the uh, almost in the top half last year. We can't be too disappointed by by the way we do do our business. Um, one last one to talk about, um, which has been. Seems to have advanced quite a lot recently is Castagna from Leicester. He is, again, another flexible player who plays mainly at right back, but has played a lot at left back. Uh, interestingly, he's also been um, used at right and left mid by Leicester over the last couple of years. Um, potential fee of 19 million, which is quite high for someone who you'd expect to be a backup for Tete and Robinson, but still a, a, a Interesting signing and I've seen a lot of people justifying the high fee by saying, yes, it's high, but he's effectively going to be back up for two positions through the season. So it's, it's kind of split it in two and you're paying 10 million per position. It's not terrible as a deal. Um, Russ, your thoughts on Castagna as a signing? Well, I think that Fulham
2: desperately need backup for the fullback position. So if he can play both, even though he has mostly been playing as a right back, but he's very versatile. I think this is, a foam player. This is a type of mm. foam player. If you look at foam's history, he reminds me of someone like a Chris Bear, who can play several positions, even Bobby Decadova read. So for me, I would go do it, but I have a feeling, guys, this is just my opinion that they're gonna try to get that feed down and then we're gonna go back and forth and mm. weeks are gonna go and then Castania will happen at the end of the at the end of the window. That's what generally happens. I would go get him. I think it's worth it to them. He is a proven player. Go get the player. Absolutely go get the player. How valuable was Chris Baird to fall? How valuable, believe it or not, is Bobby Decadova-Reed to fall? So (laughs) So if you look at it that way, 19 million pounds isn't a lot. question is, will they pay that? And I don't think they will. I think they'll go back and forth to get it down. I'm not against them trying to get good deals. But I think at some point, the beginning of the season takes precedent over the good deals. I don't know if they see it that way. I think they see it like we're talking about. They see the beginning of the season being when the window closes. And I think that hurts you. And I think what we're seeing right now is Fulham are not as strong as I think that they will be. But I would like to see this, and I hope they make it happen. It's yeah, interesting, I agree.
0: Um Sorry, Jack. It's interesting. I think Mark, it feels like Marcus Silva has fallen back to a strategy that if I can't get the best players, I'm going to get my best utility players. Because mm. if, if I if I can't get the best right back, I'm going to get a guy who can play right back and, and left back because the guy I was shooting for with left back is probably going to fall over. So he's kind of got all these chess pieces out there in the hope that if half of the deals that they actually go after fall over, the ones he ends up with can probably you know be those utility players seems to be a bit of a tactic
3: i mean that's guardiola's whole strategy just get as many players as you possibly can and get them to work in the system it's easy
1: when you've got billions of dollars behind <laughs> you like they do so, yeah. yeah it is it when you when you're doing it on a on a
0: well, it's not it's not a tight budget but comparatively to the top 6 you know it is it is uh, you have to be fairly careful with your do- with your pounds
1: so imperative. I'll ask a question um, for for all of you, and I'll just go through you guys one at a time. If if we did sign these four players, and uh, including Jimenez and Bassi on top of that, and let's let's just assume we don't lose anyone out of our first team squad, assuming that you know I've heard Cavalero is being chased by Lille, um, maybe there's some other fringe players who go out on loan as well that we you know are not going to affect us too much. If we sign these four players and the two have already signed, what would you rate our transfer window out of 10? Russ, I'll start with you? I've already been preparing
2: my answer while you're saying, I figured you would go to me first. So <laughs> so uh. what's interesting about this, I could look at it two ways. I think this would be a tremendous group of players to bring to fall. I think it would be great, but I keep going back to this. And I'm glad that you guys talked about this. I think Marco Silva wanted a player on the level of Paulina, meaning that type of elite player. None of these players are that player. None of these players are that player that really changes you. Fred a little bit, but not to that level. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna I would say if they get all these players, I'm gonna give it a 7.5. I think it if unless you get a player that is like a real elite player, I don't think I would go any higher than that. I would say 7.5 if they get these players in.
1: Dad, I'll throw it to you next.
0: I'm going to say for us, not because I think we've done incredible business, but I'm going to say for us, I just cannot see Tony Khan and co. splashing out big money on any marquee players. I think mm. that year happened, was it three years ago? Yeah. And fingers were burnt. It's just not going to happen again. And so... I see, as, we, as we've said so many times, I, I think the targets are, you know, players, proven Premier League players, I think are quite key to Marco Silva because um, I think he, he believes there's a big adjustment. And I think he's looking for players that have a point to prove. And so these guys actually might just be pretty smart signings for us.
1: And so a rating out of
3: ten
0: no, I, I sorry I thought I said right i'm I'm gonna give it eight
3: good Sammy? um it's not as it's not as if if everything goes swimmingly it's not as good or as sexy as last season um because last season we signed Brera William Leno Palina. like that is a Good window. That is that is a window that has honestly kept us in the Premier League. Um, this is the window to sustain us in the Premier League. So it it's way more effective. But I don't think anyone's going to be um, uh, salivating really at any of these transfers as effective and as great as they're potentially going to be. I'm going to give it a seven. Um, but I do think that these guys do genuinely have the potential to get us to the next level. And if there's no injuries, everything goes great. We've got healthy squad rotation and like Mitrovic gets his act together. Um, and like, it sounds, it, it doesn't sound amazing, but like, it, like ninth or eighth place finish. Uh, that's, I mean, what, what more can you really ask for?
1: Yeah, I, I'm going to buck the trend slightly. I'm going to say if we sign these four players who all have, you know, pretty close to 100 Premier League appearances under their belt, plus Jimenez, who's got 100 under his belt and a, a proven goal scorer in the Premier League, and we keep Mitro, Bassi looks like a serious talent. I'm saying this is like a, a pretty close to a 10, like a 9.5. Signing all these players who have Premier League experience and looking at the squad at that point, this is a top of the table. Top, not top of the table. Sorry, it's it's a top half squad at that point. And I think, go on. What
3: what 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 does what does a ten get us?
1: A ten would be um, splashing big cash. I I, I mean, a ten would be not losing anyone, but also signing someone like Marquis. I'm not sure who Marquis would be, but if we'd managed to pick up like Firmino, maybe off Liverpool, as a, a backup for Pereira, uh, maybe another winger uh, or another another centre back of, you know, I can't Morato, who we we're looking at from Benfica for a while, one of those extra players where you just bolster the, the side a little bit more. I think if we signed one extra player on top of these four, it could potentially push it over to a ten, but. I mean, if you look at our squad at that point, the fact that this team finished 11th last year, we're not losing any of our key players except for Solomon's young person and he, a Tosin as well. But I'd say we've massively upgraded on Tosin to Bassey and Tosin was already rotated out of the side. Yeah. Solomon only made a handful of appearances last year and, and was sort of out of favour. Uh, the rest of the players who've left, uh, you know, squad players at best, And we're massively replacing those with Premier League quality players. And, you know, look at the teams they've come from. Um, uh, Obviously, looking at results last year, Chelsea, not great. But Hudson-Odoi at Chelsea was a very good player for them when they were doing really well and, you know, pushing European spots. Fred playing at Man United and starting most weeks. Damari Gray had his best years when Everton were playing well. Um, It's it's. Top level players and and really good players. Castagna played in Europe for Leicester, um, won the uh, League Cup with them, I think it was. Um, I, I feel like this would be a seriously good window. And, and again, the main thing is just not losing players. But this is how we establish ourselves as that top to middle of the league, of the league kind of side. And and admittedly, these guys maybe are not for the long term. You look at Fred being thirty and. Damari Gray, I think he's 29, maybe. Castagna's not exactly young either. We're not exactly building for the future. We're building to build a platform to then push on in future transfer windows.
0: I, I also think that given the way that we do business, which we talk about so much, it would never surprise me if we actually pulled a couple of rabbits out of the hat, you know, right at the 11th hour. Just like playing, in Giza Elton, yeah, Yeah. players who we've never even been talking about, who you know suddenly become available, and we we pick up one. Just like Dan James, I did not mean that. (laughs)
1: Last Um, minute loans.
0: Yeah, no, no, not even loans. Yeah, I, 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 I'm actually. I have a feeling that there could be a couple of surprises, a couple of hot surprises.
1: I mean, there there always are, so it's it's definitely on the cards. And I I'm I mean, I mentioned Dan James as a last minute loan. There, we do have two loans available to us, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of a lot of squad players at those top sides who are looking for opportunities and talented young players who could easily bolster our squad. And it's it's just wages at that point, which you know don't have a massive effect on FFP come the end of the season. So there's there's the potential then to build on on top of these signings and add even more to the club. And I think, I think we're downplaying how good a window this one's actually been so far. If we admittedly, there's time left, but, and it's a hypothetical too, but I I just feel like we're in a really good position at the moment. If we make these signings, Um, it's a big if because we've seen how, how transfer dealings can go. And we've seen what happens with the Saudis lurking in the background as well. So um, fingers crossed, everything does go to plan from here. Um, Uh, A comment I'll just highlight as well from Steve Reynolds, and I'll I'll just get a a very short answer from everyone on it. Um, If we lose our first four games, will the Khans sack Silver, Russ? No, and uh, my counter to Steve is
2: what if they won all four games? They're not going to do that. (laughs) But I am actually very confident on the first two games. I know that uh, it's nervous times because – you look at what's behind those two games, but no, the cons are all in on Silva. They're not going to sack Silva. I truly believe that that they would not do that. The whole thing would fall apart if they did that. So, to Steve's question, they're not going to do that. Steve, relax.
1: Sammy, I don't
3: know. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I will. Re- I'll actually respectfully disagree with you, Russ. God love you. Um, yeah. But if they if they lose the first four games, I think. Um, uh, maybe they like first four games, maybe a draw, one win, and then another loss. Um, then I think Graham Potter is just he's just going to be too attractive to him.
1: To, to be fair, and sorry, I will throw it to you, Dad, but to be fair, our first four games are Everton away, Brentford at home, and then Arsenal and Man City away. So,
3: totally, like, and I mean, and I and
1: it, it would be an upset against Everton to lose, but it's not out of the question that we do lose the first four games. Obviously, our yeah. predictions say completely otherwise. But, mm. um, Dad, your thoughts, if we did lose those first four, do you think the Khans would act quickly and um, swing the axe?
0: No, I don't. But, and, but I think it's a fair point to just remind everyone, you know, who the, the opposition clubs are on those first four games. And they're they're not easy games. But let's say... Let's, let's uh, develop your concept a little, Steve, and say in the first 10 games, if we come away with five points or six points even, uh, you know, what might the Khans do at that point? Notwithstanding yeah. the fact that they might be responsible for us having a slow start, but um, I... The, the the one part of what Russ says, I think, is absolutely right. Not that the rest wasn't right, but that it would absolutely go to utter chaos if we lost Marco Silva. Surely yeah. the Khans must realise that.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Mitro is... The, the only reason I see Mitro really staying is because of his relationship with Silva. Willian re-signed because of Silva... The, the reason for the Fred signing is apparently oh, down yeah. to that conversation that Silver had with Fred. Um, you know, the, I think Damari gray was potentially managed by Silva at Everton at, at one point. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of links there and Silver is a, a key cog. I just feel like it would need to be disastrous. And like you said, dad, I think it would need to be some really poor results in those first 10 games. You know we, we do have winnable games in Everton, Luton, Crystal Palace, Sheffield United in those first 10. So you'd hope to pick up enough points to at least get off to a good start. And like we've said before, you need a point a game basically for the whole season to be, um, mm-hmm. to be surviving. So to be 10 points from 10 games might not look pretty, but I think it's probably on par considering the way our fixtures are laid out through the season. We're not expecting to get. Three or four wins in a row at many points through the year, so it's an interesting to be, question, though, and it's interesting to, to consider.
0: To be fair, if we did have five points at the end of ten, ten fixtures,
1: I'd be terrified.
3: Yeah, and it's just too oh, yeah. hard. Like, yeah,
1: would have I'd, to take I don't know if I don't know if sacking your manager is the best way out of a
0: position <laughs> no, like that either. No,
1: that I'm is sure the Premier isn't. League way, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, the Karns have, I don't know what the number is exactly. It must be four managers under the Karns, maybe five now. Um, so it's it's not out of the question, but fingers crossed, I, I think all of us have a lot of faith in Marco Silver and what he's done over the last few years. So fingers crossed it doesn't come to that. Um, we're almost at the end of our podcast. And as we finish up, as always, we have Sam's special segment. And Sammy, you've prepared today because I messaged you four hours ago saying, Russ is going to be here. Don't you dare come up with something on the spot. So I, mean, I came up with and... something.
3: I came up with something on the spot when you messaged me, and then I've <laughs> just had more time to hone it since. But everyone was lacking in some protein, so it's time for cottage cheese once again. Get the people hyped. We've got Russ Goldman here everything's happy everything's sexy i'm going to lose energy halfway through this i can already tell so let's play the scenario out tony khan has been left in a bind it's always good when i've got a blurb before i do these. tony khan has been left in a bind after fulham has been riddled with injuries on their first day and because it's not the final day of the transfer window we haven't signed anybody yet so we have to go to who is in the celebrity box The celebrity box of Fulham on the day that we are playing Everton. Now, all of these celebrity fans listed were from FulhamFandom.com. So the validity of all of these celebrity fans is unquestionable. And without doubt, these are official fans. If you have any questions about that, you need to take it up with Fulham Fandom. I just speak on behalf of them. I am the interface. So... With that in mind, I encourage you to tell me your justifications as to why you would want these would-you-rather players in these positions. But we are going to get started with all these Fulham fans. So, your starting striker, Barry from EastEnders or Margot Robbie? You have the floor.
0: Oh, Margot Robbie, please. <laughs> Just because she's really good looking.
3: That Russ. That is that your only justification? Is that your only justification?
0: Probably uh, it's a bit creepy, I know, but Robbie
3: is a superhero and you've reduced her to her looks. How Uh, dare you? Sorry, 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 Russ. Go, Russ. I need to I need to correct my father. I'm
2: going with Margot Robbie because I believe her (laughs) husband is a huge film supporter. That's the connection. So for me, it's in her blood, Margot Robbie.
1: Yeah, it's Margot Robbie for me purely because she can wear pink. We play in pink. It's perfect. It's a match made in heaven.
3: Excellent. Now, again, you cannot fault the validity of FulhamFandom.com in this, would you rather? Now, your number 10 position, Pierce Brosnan or Tim Henman, allegedly.
1: This
3: is terrible. Jack, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot go against FulhamFandom.com. Fulham Fandom so
1: much notice, Sam.
3: Fulhamfandom.com so has they've they have scoured the globe and got all the Fulham celebrity fans. Tim Henman or Pierce Brosnan because their their undying commitment to Fulham is unquestionable. Russ? Who's playing at number ten?
2: Okay, I'm a huge James Bond fan, so I have to go with Pierce Brosnan, but my son is a huge tennis player, so it's a difficult oh. one for me. But I will go with um, Pierce Brosnan.
3: I respect you for going through Sophie's choice. Anyway, Father.
2: Uh,
0: Tim Henman really has has a legacy of not being able to get it done. So I'm not sure that I'm comfortable with him in the number 10
3: position. Mm-hmm.
0: And yep. Pierce Brosnan always gets it done
3: because
0: mm-hmm. he's James Bond. So yes. I'm going Pierce Brosnan.
3: Yes. No. Excellent, and Mrs. Doubtfire as well. Jack.
1: Yeah, Tim Henman, perennial loser. Sorry, buddy. He's also – I also know the article you're talking about. It says Tim Henman is probably a Fulham fan because he plays – Jack, Wimbledon the validity of
3: FulhamFandom.com Fulham Fulham. uh, is yeah. without question. It is without question, okay? <laughs> move on, this move, move on, up, yeah. It is essentially written in stone. Okay, central <laughs> midfielder Richard Osmond or Daniel Radcliffe? Allegedly.
1: Well, Daniel Radcliffe, I do know, lived on one of the streets that led to Craven Cottage in Fulham, so that's possible. Um, that that I believe Richard is the Osman's only leader. link. It, that
0: is the, only, is the link only link with that, Daniel Radcliffe that he lived in the Fulham area. I, I don't know. I, I think I actually did hear him actually come out and say he's not even that keen on football. Uh, no. Richard Osman, is very keen on football and he's very keen on Fulham, so he gets the Guernsey every time.
1: Okay, hundred percent. Okay. He's my man, okay. Russ.
2: Yeah, I would have to go with uh, your father here, and I'm going to say Richard Osman. I know his passion for film, and uh, I just don't know if uh, if uh, Harry cares about film, So I'm going with Richard Osman.
3: <laughs> well, guys, I cannot believe that based on FulhamFandom.com, our main source for the inspiration for this cottage cheese. Now, um, uh, centre back, and again, the validity of. FulhamFandom.com is without question. So, center back, Sam Smith or Pope John Paul II? FulhamFandom.com doesn't one even first? exist. <laughs> I, Fa- I, I will link you following this podcast to FulhamFandom.com. I'm aware.
0: I'm aware Guys, of all John these. John Paul. John I'm Paul the Second. All these legend fans, and I just don't get the reference to John Paul.
3: I um, do, I don't either. But the internet doesn't lie. Why would the internet lie? John Paul, this, John Paul the <laughs> Second, or Sam Smith?
0: Well, I, Sam Smith's a, a definite fan, and I know he's got an away kit because I saw it being splashed around. Um, not sure I want to see him in a full kit, but you know, if he turns up to the cottage. Um, Why not?
3: So you're actually saying you would rather see him in less clothes than more clothes.
0: I probably would rather see him in the stands.
3: Okay. 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 Jack. (laughs) Uh,
1: uh, It's Sam Smith. hundred percent. He is a genuine Fulham fan. He, He heads down to the games fairly regularly. He's obviously been spotted in the away kit at one of his gigs recently. Um, you know he buys all the merch love it sam smith all the way
3: and russ
1: okay i'm gonna go with sam smith but the pope
2: that sounds a little interesting but i have to lean towards sam smith because he's such a fan but i i do like this uh full fandom comparison here so i'm <laughs> buying that this is true but i'm gonna go with sam smith
3: Okay. And as Sam Smith is an avid fan of the podcast, we, um, Sam Smith, I am aware that you are non-binary and we respect that here on the, that's so Craven full and podcast anyway. And your final position left back Hugh Grant or Lily Allen. Oh,
2: can I go first? I'm going,
3: go, go first. I'm I'm going,
2: I'm going Hugh Grant because I've heard the rumors that Lily Allen became a Chelsea supporter. It's Hugh Grant all day the week.
3: I mean, fulhamfandom.com, dot com though, but uh, I, I I I cannot. Jack, I'm too flabbergasted. You need to take it away.
1: Look, I, I mean, I've seen the pictures of Lily Allen at the um at the Europa Final crying after we lost. Yeah, I have. I I've seen that. There's a few things about Lily Allen potentially. Being a Fulham fan, but uh, I have seen a tweet from her saying I made a joke about supporting Chelsea once, and it got printed in a tabloid. So I don't believe that. I, it's that's the toughest one. That's the best one so far, Sam, because they are Thank both you. actually Fulham fans. Thank you. Like um, who both actually okay, attend games very regularly. Um, uh, I'll go with Hugh Grant. I think because I think he. He probably, he keeps his private life very private, but the fact that he is outward about the fact that he's a Fulham fan and is spotted at games fairly regularly, I do like that.
3: And father.
0: Yeah, no, um, as um, Black, White and Fred on the live stream has just commented, um, Hugh Grant has been known to put his hand in his pocket and actually help the club um, purchase a player in the past, which is, pretty incredible really. So, um, yeah, he definitely gets on the field for me for sure.
3: Oh, and excellent. And thank you Fulhamfandom.com, for, for your unwavering validity. We appreciate <laughs> you endlessly. And if you have a cottage cheese that you want to submit to us, um, uh, maybe, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about running a competition. So if you can give us the best cottage cheese, I will purchase you a Fulham away kit. I am putting that out there to the universe. Jack needs to tell you what our email is because I have forgotten what it was, but that was cottage cheese. And thank you very much for your daily source of protein.
1: I think the best thing to do is, is send it to our Twitter. Our, um, we're at Craven pod on Twitter. Although you can email us, I believe our email address is that's a Craven at gmail.com shows how much we use it. Um, But, yep, thank you, Sammy. That was um, a very low bar set for the rest of the season. So I I wonder how much FulhamFandom.com actually paid you for the 27 mentions of their website?
3: Honestly, I should get monetized just based off of that. But I am, like, outside of all this, I am very serious. If um, you would like to submit a cottage cheese, the best one, maybe uh, halfway through the season, um, I will purchase a Fulham Away kit for you.
1: Yeah, it will be coming direct from China, but I am um, <laughs> still, it'll it'll save Fulham on it somewhere, so it'll be it'll fine. Be there. It'll be there.
3: It'll be fine.
1: <laughs> so thank you for that, Sammy. Look, we'll, we'll wrap up there. I've got one little thing that I was tapping away in the background on that I thought I'd quickly do for our special guest, Russ. And I've made Russ his wow. own little oh. AI avatar for... Thanks for joining us um, for, for the podcast today, Russ, it's been a real pleasure to have you on board and to talk all things Fulham with you. And uh, hopefully we can have you again before the the season is out.
2: Absolutely. And uh, I just like that. I have more hair there. So I really appreciate that.
1: <laughs> oh, that's that's, that's no worries at all. So guys, um, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, all of those who joined on the live stream, it's been great to have you all along and, um, Big thanks to Russ, Dad, and Sam for joining us today. It's been a, a really interesting look at the season, uh, the preseason so far and the season ahead, and uh, really looking forward to this Everton game. It's great to get back into the swing of things in the in the actual season itself. Russ, did you want to just do a little plug for Cottage Talk as well? Sure, I appreciate that, guys. Well, first of all, thank you for
2: having me on, and uh, if uh, you want to check out Cottage Talk, please do check it out. You can watch And listen to it. We are on YouTube, but you can listen to it on Apple Podcasts. Please do check it out wherever you can listen to a podcast. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Cottage Talk, or you can follow me
1: on Twitter at Russ underscore Goldman. Thank you, guys. Thanks very much, Russ. Um, Sammy, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Thank you very much for having me. I mean, we've said it a thousand times, but genuinely, thanks, thanks for coming on, Russ. We really appreciate it. And yeah, no, this was great. Really had a lot of fun. And ah, uh, let's, I'm ready for my blood pressure to rise for the new season. It's going to be great. <laughs> and Dad, thank you as well.
0: Yeah, I'm actually kind of relieved that we don't have to focus so entirely on transfer rumours. I'm just keen to get the season underway so we can talk about some real stuff but again um thank you russ for joining us this evening it's been a lot of fun
2: well thank you for having me on elton i really enjoyed it and uh, i'm sure if it's okay i w- would like you guys to come on cottage talk again
1: sounds good Absolutely. sounds good to us <laughs> sammy calm down there calm down so guys thank you again and until next time come on you whites